So thank you for coming tonight to Vision Dinner. Uh, we appreciate it. I, there are some of you I know that maybe this is the first one of these you've been able to come to, and so I just wanted to tell you uh, thank you. Uh, this is an important time uh, for our church, you know, this, this meeting is, because uh, what, you know, the Bible says where, where, where there is no vision, the people perish. And it's a bad translation. It really means where there is no vision, the, the community or the organization unravels. So what keeps a community together, what keeps there, there being vitality in a group is that everybody is rowing towards the same, you know, destination. That everybody's kind of headed in the same direction. And so uh, six years ago when we planted this church, we knew uh, what we'd heard from so many people was what's fun about church planting is, is you have a vision and everybody's excited and they're all going in the same direction. But eventually what happens is, is you can lose a sense of what you're called to. And so we said, no, you know, we want to take time on a monthly basis uh, to get together, reorient ourselves to our mission, uh, and so that everybody can know uh, what's going on. We do have some big things to talk about tonight, and I appreciate uh, you being here. There is a certain responsibility you have that, I mean, this really is the core of the church in many ways, uh, and so we need you to be helping us uh, through the things that we talk about in these meetings to be disseminating them as best you can to the people that you are you know, in contact with all over the church, so thanks again, for doing that work, too. Um, I, know, I know it's a good crowd, and I know that's partly because we kind of said, hey, there's some big stuff that we need to talk about. Uh, no, I'm not resigning. Nobody else is resigning on staff. Hopefully that's good news to you. <laughs> it is that Chipotle's coming to Winter Haven as of today. There you go. Look. There you go. <laughs> it broke in the paper today that they're about to break ground on the Chipotle. So there it is. So now that you're in a good mood about the fact that Chipotle's coming to Winter Haven and none of the staff members are leaving or, or resigning, uh, we, as a session about a year ago, I think it was in March or April of last year, we began to strategize and to make preparations uh, for something we believe God was leading us to, and that would be that we would figure out how to lead our congregation toward growth, toward 400 and 50 to 500 people in attendance on Sunday morning. Uh, we just began to really feel like in order for us to do the things that we wanted to do, we needed to be somewhere in that vicinity as far as a, 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 um, a mass of people uh, here at this church. So we transitioned at that time, Jonathan, to community groups because we knew that was going to be an important part of what we had to do. We hired David Smith as a director of ministries or a COO, and uh, we also hired Brandon Lutz as a youth pastor full-time, and those two hires of full-time staff members, I mean, we are a small church to have five full-time pastoral staff, and a lot of those things that we did were with uh, future growth in mind, not only growth through church planting, but also growth that we felt like we needed to uh, really try to make happen here. Now, we knew at the time, and I have some, I have some papers I'm going to pass out to you guys in just a minute, but we knew at the time that our options really were this. That number one, option number one, we could stay as we are. Uh, option number two, that we could relocate to a different facility. Option three, we could expand our current facility. Or option four, that we could go to two services here uh, where we are. And it really actually helped me think of this. It really is the problem that we're up against is as grateful as we are for this place that God gave us. There are some limitations space-wise here, and so we're trying to be, we've been trying to crack that nut. So option two, relocate to a different facility. We have done a lot of work. I want you to know, we, <laughs> can, can I say, can I, 
David, is it okay for me to tell a little bit of that story? So we, we um, he's like, sure, this is being recorded. But that's uh, no, we went so far as to approach uh, First Baptist Church downtown and ask them if they would rent us their sanctuary during their Sunday school hour. It seats a thousand people. And we thought if we can get in and get out in an hour and a half or two hours, maybe during their thing, we could do that. They, very gracious, but told us no. And so we've done, you know, we've done some, uh, we've done some investigation about are there places in the city where we could relocate and figure out a, a place that would allow for a little bigger crowd. Uh, and really, have come to the end of that. There are some, you know, could we expand our current facilities? Um, I don't know if you even realize, but these stained glass windows have a separate insurance policy just of their own because they're so valuable. And so to, to think about ways that we might configure this place, one of the things we run into is, is if we were able to build something that 500 people could fit in on this property, there's not enough room for parking for 500 people. So there really is just not very many options. So we have just been banging our heads about exactly how do we get this done. And, and really what we've landed on is that we think the best, you know, the best option, option number one, to do nothing, not being satisfactory, doing on, research on option two and option three, we've concluded that the best course of action was for us to begin to make preparations for two Sunday morning worship services. Lord willing, um, that would be only for, you know, maybe for a time before we could figure out whether there really is an option two or option three. Uh, and so I wanted to talk about that tonight, okay? And these men have, these men have some papers, so if you guys would pass those out, that'd be great. I want people to be able to follow along with me. I'm hoping that I can share some of my thoughts on this with you, and that we can, um, and we can have time for some questions and answers, but I know um, there will be lots of those, and we will not be able to get to all of them tonight. Uh, we're going to take the rest of the spring, March and April and May and June, on these vision dinner nights to begin to, to talk about this in, in greater detail. And so don't think we have to get it all figured out tonight. We've got some time, uh, and, and that will be good, okay? Uh, and I should say at the outset, although I'm going to say this, please don't be like, don't read ahead. Stick with me, okay, so we can all be on the same page. But this is in no way um, a moving away from the strategy of church planting. I'm going to say that very strongly in just a minute. Uh, but this is, this is in addition to... Uh, the work we want to see happen through church planting that we're trying to accomplish, okay? Uh, and so just keep, keep that in mind. I want to say that at the outset so we don't get worried about that. Great. Everybody's got it. So if you look there on page one, I want to just share a couple of scriptures with you. Scriptures that compel us. To the exiles in Babylon, Jeremiah, uh, the Lord spoke through the prophet Jeremiah that they were to seek the welfare of the city where, where he had sent them in exile. And to pray to him on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. And so just a, just a, from the very beginning, an intentional direction towards being a church that really does seek the good of the city of Winter Haven. Our goal is not just a great church, it's a great city. Okay, and these, I could have picked 15, right? I just picked two or three that came off the top of my head. Uh, in the message, Eugene Peterson's translation of the Bible, I love the way he translates these verses from Matthew chapter 9. Jesus overhearing, shot back, who needs a doctor? The healthier the sick, go, figure out what this scripture means. I am after mercy, not religion. I am here to invite outsiders, not to coddle insiders. Right? So it's an intentional movement of ministry that constantly has the outsider and the person not yet a part of the group 
in mind and not just to take care of all the people who are already inside. And then Mark chapter 11, and really instead of reading the scripture, what's happening there is Jesus comes into the temple in the last week of his life is, is they have set up shop in the court of the Gentiles and the busyness of the religious system of the temple has crowded out so that the Gentiles can't get in to pray. I mean, they have so busied the temple with all of their religious stuff that the, peop- that the people who they should be making room for from the outside can't get in, and there's no, there's no Gentiles coming in to pray. And Jesus, that's, what th- that's really what has Jesus so upset. So Jesus, I believe, would have us be thoughtful always of the people who are outside. Does that make sense? So just some scriptures. Now, the facts. We have scientifically proven, okay? No, just kidding. Scientific proof that this room that you're in can hold 356 people. That's basically what it is. I think that's 21 or 18 inches per bottom, basically is what it is. Something. Okay, however that works. Last Easter, you got it? Last Easter we had 400 people in, in here. I don't know if you were here that day, but literally there were people on the stairwells, sitting on the stairwells in both stairwell. There were people in the narthex. It was absolute craziness. Overwhelming statistical data suggests that you will never average more than 80% of capacity. So for us, that would be an average of 284 people. Okay, it is not coincidence. It's not coincidence that we experienced steady, rapid growth for the first five years of our church, but once we hit an average of 280 people on Sunday mornings, we plateaued. It's just the way it happens. Now, um, we are unique among churches in America in that we have consistently actually been able to push past 80%. Two Sundays ago, we had 330 people in attendance. That's 93% capacity in this room. David, you would have to tell, but I mean, that's probably top 1% or 2% of all churches anywhere. And I mean, it's just, you don't do that. What that means is this. It means there are new people who are wanting to be a part of us. In fact, there are new people coming every week. And we are turning people away by not creating room for them. The way David has put it, we might as well put a full sign outside would be the nice way to do it. Or to say, you're not welcome here would be another way to do it. And it's not a witness we want to give to our city. Uh, Another fact, only 17 to 20% of the people in our city regularly attend public worship. That includes all quote-unquote Christian groups. Which means there are approximately 80,000 unchurched people in Winter Haven and many of the 20,000 churched people, if we were honest, who need the gospel. Another fact, church planting studies suggest that on on an average, a church plant being daughtered from a mother church can expect to take about 10% of people, money, and all these things with them. So for us, that would be about 25 to 30 people. That is the exact number of people in the Redeemer Southwest Core Group. Uh, and And that is not a large enough number to take pressure off of our morning worship service. Uh, when Redeemer Southwest started the evening service uh, a few, you know, in October, our attendance numbers, um, the, the Sunday morning after they left, were the exact same number as it was the, the week before. Does that make sense? So that group going out of Sunday morning didn't decrease the number of people that were here on Sunday morning so that we had some room to grow back. It's also not a large enough number for, core group, for the core group to have adequate people and resources to start a new work. They need 50 to 75 people to do that. Can I get an amen, Jeff? Crazy, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, turn the page. Our reasons, some of the reasons that we've been thinking about this. 
Reason number one, not enough people are going with Jeff and Marissa and Redeemer Southwest. Okay, hear me. If you are going to get upset with me about talking about two services, in order to avoid two services, here's what you have to do. 100 to 150 of you need to leave to go with them. Right? Do that. I'll stop talking about two services. Okay, but right now there are 25 to 35 people committed. And I, like I said, the Sunday after the, the, the group started Sunday evening worship, our attendance was the same as it was the week before. So giving them away does not give us any more room to grow. Does that make sense? Do you understand what I'm trying to say there? It's a great thought, but the reality is, is that there's just not enough people going to make that happen. Number two, reason number two, our, though our vision is still growth through multiplication, numerous smaller churches, congregations in the city, not one large church, we simply cannot plant churches fast enough. We began to um, plan for a second church, second congregation, you may not even be aware of this, in October of 2011. By the time Jeff and Marissa and the core group launch, it will have taken four years, four years, to get that church planted. And, and as I begin to think about it, that really is a typical timeline. Trinity planted Christ Community Presbyterian in January 2005. Then we planted in October of 2008. That's really almost four years. Strong Tower was the next church plant in April of 2014, which that was five and a half years. So the reality is, is if we maintain the strategy of growth through, through church planting, we are four years away from planting another church, and we are already full. What do we do for the next four years? And I would think that I speak, there, most of them are here, I speak for the session and for a lot of the leadership here to say we're not content to be stagnant for four years. Okay? Reason number three. Our vision of one church, multiple congregations, of a shared services model for those of you in, in business means that more burden will fall upon Redeemer, this Redeemer, not Redeemer Southwest, but Redeemer, to provide administrative and central services to our other congregations throughout the city. So we will be in a better place to do this if we're running 450 to 500 on a Sunday morning rather than 250 to 300. For example... We can be more generous to our church plants and planters. We'll be able to give more people away, maybe 50 to 75 instead of 25 to 30, and we'll be able to provide more central services because we'll have a better financial base and all these kinds of things, better staff structure, and, and, and you can imagine. Uh, reason number four, and this is where I, I, get, I start to step on toes a little bit. I go from, what is it? I go from preaching to meddling, just a little. We need a missional booster shot. As a church. I know this because of how, e- how quickly people begin to freak out when we start talking about these kinds of things. Redeemer Southwest has created that for the core group. But what about the rest of us? This is going to be hard. It will be uncomfortable. I personally don't really like it. It will require that we sacrifice. And that is good. It will be, and it's good because it will refo- refocus us. Uh, it will force us to refocus our attention on those not yet a part of us. It will require that everybody step up and help as volunteer workers and children's ministry and the worship team and leaders and ushers and all these things. It will require more out of all of us, and that will be a good thing. We need to be less busy with one another and more mindful of our friends and neighbors who don't believe. We need to be more concerned about people outside of our church in our community that need Jesus and people new to our church than we are about seeing all of our friends on Sundays. And this 
will force us to think missionally again like we did as we were planting, and that will be a really great thing. Reason five. We want to be a catalyst for change. This is the way I said this, and it felt icky, and so I changed it. We don't want to just be the -the run-of-the-mill church. We We don't want to be just kind of an average, ordinary church. We want to be a church that is a catalyst for change and transformation in the city. Uh, And I don't say that arrogantly. I really do think there's humility in that in response to God's call for our church and his time and place for this body of believers in the city of Winter Haven. Uh, And again, please don't think this arrogant when I say God has assembled a very strong, very talented leadership team here. Both elders and deacons, pastors, we are a very talented, very generous, very influential group of people. And Jesus said, to whom much is given, much will be required, or loosely translated, with great power comes great responsibility, right? And that's just true. We've been given much. We have been given much. And we want to do as much with what we've been given as possible. Our, our longstanding goal has been four congregations with a total of 1,000 in attendance. And we would like to get to that 1,000 people, which would be 1% of the population of Greater Winter Haven and uh, sooner rather than later without sacrificing our commitment to church planning because we believe that it will allow us to begin to strategically address the physical and spiritual needs in our city. Put simply, 450 to 500 people with our gospel DNA and our unique theological vision of being active in culture can have, a more, can have more missional impact in the city than 250 to 300 people can And then reason six, we want to see current ministries continue to grow and flourish and new ministries to be birthed from our midst. So, for example, we just sent out Tony and Amber to Nicaragua. So my question is, are they the only missionaries we dream of sending from this church? I hope not. Right? I dream of many, many, many more. And in order to do that, we need to grow in order to have funds and resources to be radical senders. For another example, Heart for Winter Haven. In order to initiate and sustain ministries like Heart for Winter Haven in our city, we need to have more volunteers, more financial capacity than we currently do. And so in order to see projects like that flourish in our city, we're going to, one of the things we've learned is we're going to have to take the lead. We've become convinced about that. And in order to take the lead, we need to have greater reach and influence and growing to the number I've been talking about would allow us to do that. Now, turn to page, page three. So Objections. Okay, objections. And again, we're just starting this tonight, so maybe these are some of yours. Objection number one is, isn't this a different vision? Is this what we set out to do? Are we changing things? My answer to that is yes and no. I've heard people say, is this what we said we wanted to do from the beginning? Yes, it's a change, but it's not a change in vision. It's a change in strategy. Our vision remains absolutely the same. What we, what we did not realize when we started was from what baseline we could most effectively plant churches. And we believe that it's somewhere around 450 to 500, about the size of Trinity Lakeland, who's been successful at this. And so remember, when we crafted our mission and vision statements in 2007 and 2008, we had no idea what size building we would end up in. The Winter Haven High School Auditorium that we met in sat 450 people. So in theory, if we were still meeting there, we could already be a church of 400, though in one service there. We are not, we are limited, and by the way, I should have said this, if we had done this three years ago, we'd have 500 people coming here now. I mean, the thing that has kept us capped is just we've made an intentional decision to be really slow about this. Okay, we are limited by our building. That's the problem we're trying to solve. Okay, another objection, what happens, if we do this, what happens to community? I'm scared we're going to lose community, and I just wanted to say we are committed to community. We're committed to staying, quote-unquote, small 
and growing through multiplication, however big and small are relative terms, and, and we are already a big church. I'm going to come back, and we're going to talk more about this next month, but Malcolm Gladwell, in his, in, in his book, The Tipping Point, which is a great book, by the way, has a chapter on what he calls the Law of 150. And the Law of 150 states that the maximum number of people that you can have a genuinely social relationship with at one time is 150. And it's fascinating. Even anthropological evidence. Uh, one, one study um, studied 21 different hunter-gatherer societies. And the average size of a village in 21 different cases all over the world was 148.4 people. Because there are businesses where when their employee base goes beyond 150, will build a factory across the street and have 150 people in that one and 150 people in this one because it's just, there's just this sociological overwhelming evidence that 150, once you get beyond 150 people, people become strangers to one another. They don't work well together. So we're already way beyond 150. We're closer to 500 people in our community. So while community is important, let's be careful of assumptions. Assumptions like this. Do we all have to be in one service in order to have community? Is our strategy for community that we that the service to begin with, is community more important than mission? We can make an idol an idol out of it. Okay, objection three, will this create two churches within the church? And the answer I would say to that is we will work hard to keep this from happening. So some of the things that we would do, we want to we, we, we want to extend the gathering time in between services to allow for there to be lots of room for people to talk. We would do mirror worship services with the same elements in both. So receiving new members and baptisms and ministry reports and all these things, we want to do quarterly fifth Sunday events where the whole church is gathered to celebrate things, seminars and conferences where we're all together, vision dinners, it would, uh, you know, all of those kinds of things. And it would require great, great focus and energy for outside of Sunday morning, but I think that would be a good thing. Okay, objection four, which is one of the objections that I've had, and some of you might think, well, if we're already not doing a good job with shepherding and pastoral care of the people we have, why would we add more people when there's so much work to do with the people we have now? And, and this is a really hard thing to answer, but um, we should be very careful moving forward without having an answer and without having put mechanisms in place to ensure that we're shepherding people well. And so I just said, we can, we'll come back and talk about this more too, but community groups and leadership development will become a, very, a much stronger emphasis, which is why we took Jonathan and, and that's, you know, we gave him that work. And that's what we want him to be doing because we knew that that would be really important. Okay, objection five. We're already maxing out our leaders and volunteers. So do we have enough volunteers and workers to do two services? And the answer is we have, we've hired staff to help administrate the growth. So it's not an additional responsibility and burden for the pastoral team. The current staff was constructed with, the, with this move in mind. But then also it would, it would initially require more from more people Okay, but not necessarily more from people currently volunteering, but more from those who are not yet volunteering or who are marginally involved, and that would be a really good thing for our church. And so as we grow, the growth will, will provide additional workers also, don't forget, and eventually leaders, but it also highlights why discipleship and leadership development will be so important. And then objection six, I thought our vision was church planting. Will we still church plant? Yes, of course, and as soon as Jeff and, and Marissa and the core group get out of the, of the, you know, get out, get out, right? As soon as they get out of here uh, and they are established, we will immediately begin to look for another church planting apprentice as fast as we can. Uh, um, and, and we will plant churches because we believe it helps. We, we're going to do this. What we're talking about tonight 
is because we think this is what helps us be more effective in our church planning efforts. Our, do you see this in bold? Our number one ministry priority in 2015 is to go to two services? No. Our number one ministry priority in 2015 is to launch Redeemer Southwest successfully. Number one ministry priority. Okay, so turn the page to page four. And here's, um, I, and we do, well, we have ten minutes, so that's good. So our rallying cry, and this is as a staff, but I'm just sharing this with you because I do think it, it, uh, it, it flows into the entire congregation. As a staff, our, I do this with our staff, our rallying cry for 2015 and really for the next few years will be focusing inward in order to move outward. So a temporary shift of thinking inward structurally so that we can have greater capacity to move out to our community. So our main objectives as staff and elders and deacons for the whole church would be, number one, to equip and mobilize leaders, officers, community group leaders, ministry team leaders, core team, Jeff doing that, etc., by refocusing our energy on personal discipleship and leadership development. In order, number two, to strengthen existing structures, community groups and ministry teams and so forth, and create additional ministry infrastructure. We hired an accounting firm, get the session going the way that it's supposed to, that will support future growth. Number three, with a focus on maximizing the use of our current facilities. Lastly, while growing in our enjoyment of one another and our working together as a team toward the mission of our church. That's what we're focused on in 2015. And so what would the timeline be? Our goal would be uh, to first, on, on Easter Sunday, April 5th, to hold two services for the first time, just to get an idea of what this would be like. And because last year we had 400 people and we've grown since then, and we literally can't fit everybody in here that we would need to. So we need to do it on Easter. And that's going to give us an idea of how that would work and everybody gets to see that. And then to begin permanently meeting in two services, the target date right now is on Sunday, uh, September 13th. So we have, what is that? Eight months. More than eight months. Right? No. Seven months. Dang it. Sorry. Can't do math. Seven months to start to figure some of these things out. Okay? I need to, I, it would be helpful for me uh, to hear from you. That is, that's my spiel. What questions or thoughts do you guys have? What does this make you think? Yeah, Tim. How do you count the number of people on Sunday? Did somebody ask you to ask that question? Uh, we have somebody that counts. We do it two ways, actually. We, uh, we, ha- we have somebody assigned to go up in the balcony, and they count. After the kids leave, they count in here, and then we get a count from the children. But actually, we think the better, the better we count cars, too. And we have a formula for knowing about how... Uh, what, is it 2.5? It, I mean, the number... Almost, it's amazing. The number 2.5 people per car in our parking lot is really the way it goes. That's, that's the most accurate number we can get. Because, and it's just strange. What's that? Thanks, thanks, Tim. Appreciate that. But that is how we do it. We do it both of those ways, and they really do sync up. And again, the reason is not because we, I, I, you know, nickels and noses can become an obsession, and you've got to be really careful about that, but we just needed to be able to kind of track this stuff so we can know and forecast what it is we're going to need, you know, what we're going to need to do. So we have made, since David's been here, we've been way more intentional about trying to count who's around here. And, and, and one of the other reasons is, is because when my wife comes over and says there were 95 children over there Sunday, you know, or whatever. I mean, that's just, you know, that, you just think, oh, wow, you know, what do we do? So, Charlie.
we can do that. Um, he, Charlie said, if we thought about expanding the church, you know, we, we, have, we have had conversations about hiring a firm that would come in and tell us what our options are. And so we're, we will probably do some of that. And again, I think this is just knowing, I mean, if we did that, you know, it's probably a two-year project or whatever, and we don't even want to, we wouldn't want to wait two years to get that done. So, and then, I mean, and then like busing people from Lake Albert or having people walk over from Lake Albert, you know, or Albert Elementary, I mean, those are all options. Yeah, we could. I mean, the reality, if you get here late on Sundays, the reality, with 300 people on this campus, um, you know, literally every single square inch and then probably a third of that field out there is full. So if you double that or if you, you know, 30% of that, I mean, the question becomes where do you, where do you park cars? And, and is there a way, you know, I don't know if you know, but there's a widening of, there's a widening of, of the road out here that's about to happen, so we're going we're gonna to lose a bunch of parking when that happens too. Um, and there's really not any sense of being able to go that way. Could we knock out, you know, could we knock this out and go back and add, you know, 50 more seats? I mean, those are all things that we're going to investigate for sure. What do you think is the time <laughs> I'm not going to answer that question tonight. <laughs> she said, what times are they going to be at? And I'm not going to answer it. And the reason I, I thought about it, the reason I'm not going to answer it, and since you're my sister, I can kind of be cheeky like that too. But the reason I, the reason I don't want to answer it is because I want, I want us to wrestle with the decision to go to two services before we start thinking about the logistics of how that's going to work. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because uh, it would be easy just to jump to that and try to find some comfort in, okay, uh, you know, I, I well, I, and I, I can tell you what I would, what my preference would be is that we not start before nine o'clock, that we not finish before noon, that we not finish after noon. That's what I would like. But that's a matter of that's a matter of a lot of thought. Because here's what I think: if we had an earlier service, I think families with really young kids would probably prefer an earlier service, and probably people, maybe some, maybe um, post kid people would prefer an earlier service. And then I think a lot of the families with teenagers and the 20-somethings that don't have kids would rather come a little bit later and still be able to go to lunch. So I really do think it would probably split. So there are a lot of people who would rather just get here and get done, and by 10.15 or 10.30, you can be on your way home, have the rest of your day. And then there are other people who would love to sleep. I mean, my, my kids, if I told my, my boys that we'd go to church at 10.30 instead of 9.30, they'd be like, woohoo, you know? I get to sleep another hour. And it's become so much a part of our Sunday to go to lunch after church that we would probably choose a later service so that we could still go to lunch and granted we get out an hour later than we're used to getting out but that we can adjust to that. Any other questions or thoughts? That's why, if, that's why we would probably do a thir- you can do it in, you can do a turnaround in 15 minutes. Right. We'd probably do a turnaround in, in 30 minutes knowing that. I mean, the reality is, is even if you stay here after a service, um, a third of the church sticks around. Right? So a third to a half. So in theory, if a half of the early crowd stayed and mixed with the half of the... I mean, and, and one of the things is, is we've not proven to be a church that, gets, that can get to church more than five minutes after the service is supposed to start. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know? So, I mean, if we did 1030 or whatever, then, then to think that people, would be, that people would be trying to come in at, at 10, 30 minutes ahead of when the service was going to get over is not really realistic either. So we would provide that opportunity, but then people would have to take advantage of the opportunity. Phyllis? Yeah. We have a yeah. Most churches, when they grow, that's what they do. They have a second service. And I think there's a lot of people that would like to see service. Yeah. And my husband would go there. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I just think it's a. I, I don't know that there's any, but any major objection. I think, I think the thing that we have done really well. Um, is just the community aspect of things. And there is a little, you know, it just feels, I, I know it feels like you're possibly losing that. And everybody that I've talked to has tried to talk me off the argument that really just isn't the case. Because you're, you're already coming, when there's 300 people in this room, you're coming here and you don't know, you don't know half the people that are here already. So the idea that you're, you know, what the real concern is, is am I, am I going to go to church and not get to see the 20 or 30 people that are really important to me that I want to spend time with? Right. You can do that. Yeah, well. Yeah, I mean, it may, maybe so. Um, it, it's just, it, it, uh, we, we're not, I'm not wanting to overthink. I'm just wanting to be sensitive to people where, you know, to, to really talk through why, why there are good reasons for us to do this, I think. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, yeah. The the only things that are different for us, I think, is we we don't have a huge ratio of winter visitors, so our numbers don't really fluctuate until we hit that two eighty mark, Charlie. Every summer, the year one, year two, year three, every summer we actually saw an increase during the summer because we were just growing. And so if we if you know if we if we go to two services and grow to four hundred fifty people, then I don't know that we'll ever get get you know, far enough down off that number to be able to go back just to just one and try to cram everybody in. But Yep. That's hurtful. It's really hurtful. Well, no, no, and what we said, no, this, so this past Sunday... This past Sunday, you know, we've been really, so one of the things we've been doing is we've been trying, we've been really trying to kind of do that even a little bit now, and we are going to continue to do that. We still have the freedom that if it doesn't happen that way, it's okay. No, I know you are. But what I was going to say is, so Sunday we get out really early, and somebody said, well, Jeff just preached short, and actually, I, I preached a shorter sermon the Sunday morning before than he did, so my contention was that was Joe was praying and leading worship rather than our, our normal regiment of people doing that. <laughs> But no, we got to work all together. And Terry will, Terry will work with that. We may drop a song at the beginning. Um, one of the, you know, it's the reason why we've moved the ministry report off of a, of a communion Sunday because it's already so busy. But on communion Sundays particularly, the sermon will really have to be, yeah, I mean, like probably 20 minutes. And that'll be hard, but we'll figure it out. Jeff? I was going to say, for those who are on the 9.30 That's when you're going to meet, so you can come to the 9.30. That's awesome.
That's our Bible study. Right. Right. You're off. You're out. See ya. Yeah, I mean, and the easiest way to fix this temporarily is for more people to go. Uh, and one of the things I was going to, you know, I, and we were talking about this story earlier today. Hudson Taylor would travel around England trying to recruit people to go to China. And he'd say, you know, I'm just really confused because everywhere I go, people say, I, I think, I, you know, I'm not sure if I'm called, I'm not sure if I have a special call, you know, for my life to be so different for me to go to China. And Hudson Taylor said, what I would say to people is, is listen, given everything the Bible says about God's love for the nations and the work that is ours to do, you have more work to convince me that you have a special call to stay than you do that you have a special call to go. And I, you know, and I would love for our church planting, I would love for our church planting efforts as we do this over the next 20 years for people to, every time a church plant comes up, for us to have to say, you know, I wonder, is God calling me to stay? Not is God calling me to go, is God calling me to stay? I mean, you know, that'd be a great, so, that'd be a great way to get, you know, to get some room. Any other, maybe one more, one more before we finish. Terry. We've talked about 8.45 and 10, what would it be, 8.45 and 10.30, 9 o'clock, 10.30, 9 o'clock, 10.45, all those different scenarios. Thank you. Let me answer that question last. Matt. Yeah. Same exact service. Same sermon, same preacher, same... Yes, can't do that more than once. Can't do that more than once. So, just trying to balance. Just trying to balance how how many you know. If we if we do if we do twelve baptisms in a year or fifteen baptisms in, in baptisms in a year, we want to work really hard not to have twelve in one and three in the other. Uh, yeah, I mean we could. Um, there we have. That, that thing has a hole in it, and it leaks, so that's not an option. Um, PSC, we've, at, we've talked to them, and they, it only seats like 400 over there, so uh, literally it's just a matter of there not really being a place to go. Uh, but yeah, we could. We, we, we've, we've kicked that around. If we could leave here and all go and occupy a space somewhere else. There's just not, we've not found a space. We could buy Normayo Hall, which seats a thousand for eight million dollars. What's the city trying to buy that for, or sell that for, or whatever? Rat infested. What's that? Five. Oh, just five. Just five. The count? Is it the county? Is it the state? Who is it? The, the state's trying to sell it to the city, right? The city wants it, but it's five million dollars they want for that building, and it's rat infested. So it really is just it really is just a matter of trying to find. I mean, you know, a good if there was a good option, I think we would we would definitely consider that. Yeah. He, well, we were trying, that was not, that was, I mean, that's a longer conversation, but the meeting here was not meant to really launch them as much as it was to think, to think about could we get some people out of Sunday morning to go to Sunday night, just trying to, just being creative with that. So, I mean, Jeff, I think they're, what they're doing is trying to build their core, I mean, typically, 
you want to you work on core group dynamics and then find the, the meeting place, but, I mean, that is one of the top priorities for them is trying to figure out where to meet. And they are right now, and some not, some coming from outside. Yeah. So, yeah, so some, some I mean, some of them came, are coming from here, and then they've already built relationships with people in the southwest part of the city that are going to join them. And So this past Sunday night, they had 40 people. Yeah, so about 40, 41 people. Yeah. I feel like I was going to say something else and now I've forgotten. How can you support me? Yeah. It is. I mean, you know, but it, I mean, one sermon is not hard to do twice. So that's not a big deal. Um, just pray. Pray for wisdom for us. I mean, pray, you know, pray that we, pray that people, we would steward all the resources God's given us well. Pray that we would be wise, pray, pray that we would not grow um, conceited and be full of hubris and think too highly of ourselves. You know, pray that we would walk in humility, I think, is, is a good thing. Um, gosh, anyway, anything else? So we get to talk about, what's that? GG's, just all that stuff I was just saying. Just pray all those things. How can, how can we support you and how can we, you know, encourage you? I mean, the one thing is, is just say yes. <laughs> Not just to this. I mean, when we've got to figure out how, because, you know, pray for, my, pray for my marriage, pray for my wife who's leading children's ministry and is now going to have to figure out how to do this. Now that she's finally got this thing, this great thing in place, and now all of a sudden we've said, by the way, <laughs> you know. So when, when we ask you to, when, you know, when we ask you to do this or that and pray for that, you know, I mean, I mean, then say yes to that. When we ask you to serve, say, I mean, just be willing to say yes. When Jeff asks you to go church, plant a church with him, say yes, whatever it might be. I know what, I know. The one thing, another thing that you can pray and then we will be done. The one thing that, I mean, we need for the ratio to fall somewhere between, um, um, it, it, one service can't have more than 65% of the people in the morning service. So it needs to be 65-35 or closer to 50-50. So 300 people. And what's going to happen, by the way, if we have 300 people here, when we go to two services, it's not like there's going to be 150 and 150. Within a few months, when we go to two services, we'll immediately be at 350 and probably 400. So it'll probably go like 200 and 200 or something like that. But we need to be as close to 50-50 as we possibly can. So that's something you can pray to because we're going to have to figure out, I want to go with my friend, and so this community group is going to do this and all that kind of stuff. And that would just be a lot of work. So... Pray for us in that too, okay? Yeah, can we? Who's going to be the captains? <laughs> yeah, that's fun. All right. So thank you again for being here and for being willing to listen to me talk about this. Let me pray for us, okay? So Father, we do pray that you would uh, continue to bless our church, that we might be a blessing to the city. Uh, do uh, help us to walk in humility and in dependence upon you. Thank you that you have so uh, richly answered our prayers. Uh, and so even in these prayers, we look to you and ask you, to come to our aid and to work on our behalf. We believe that you work on those who wait for you. And so we say, Lord Jesus, like the watchman waits for the morning, we wait for you and put our hope in you. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you. You guys are great.